Dear married people, I don't want to come over to your house after I've worked a full day and like have your kids running around screaming and flinging boogers at each other and interrupting adult conversation. I, I, like, I'm just not about that life, okay? If I was about that life, I'd be married. This is Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit. Today's a special edition of the podcast called Marib's and Matt Chat where Matt Linden and I riff on a topic related to the season's theme. For our first chat, we're covering all things friendship between married and single folks. First, a bit about Matt. Matt is a gay Christian who lives in Germany. He's a church kid who grew up in a conservative, non-denominational environment. So when he realized he was gay at 13, a 21-year battle began to reconcile his faith with his sexuality. On his blog, The Crossing, Matt tells the story of his religious trauma in memoir format. In this chat, you'll hear about mutuality, the missing ingredient in too many friendships between marrieds and singles, what single friends need from their married friends and vice versa, and how to identify and express our needs and unlearn what the church has taught us about ignoring our need. Before we dive in, I gotta tell you about today's episode sponsor. With deep experience in podcast production and nonfiction editorial work, Studio Plum is the best place to bring your ideas and rough drafts for any podcasts, books, or other creative projects you're incubating. For more information, visit craftedwithaplum.com. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello, Matt. Hello. So happy to be back. Oh my gosh, so happy to have you back for our first ever edition of Marib's and Matt Chat. So today we are going to be talking about friendship between single people and married people. And this came about because I do a monthly series on my Instagram stories called Ask Marib's. That's me. And basically anyone can send in a question where they're stuck, etc. And I will do a wee video answering it. But the last time I did it, I got a question from a married person and it said, married but wanting to include single friends in home life, meals, hangouts, etc., but unsure how to do so without it feeling like I own the power or they are my quote unquote ministry. So instead of answering it myself, opened it up to the people, which was a great choice because so many people <laughs> had so many feelings. All the feelings. All the feelings. Matt was one of those people with a lot of feelings and sent me mm-hmm. all of these voice notes in my DMs <laughs> that were just absolute fire. They were so freaking good. And I texted my producer, Ashley, and I was like, we got to we gotta have Matt back on. Like, we got to just, <laughs> he's got to come on <laughs> this show and we got to get into it. So that is why Matt is here. Matt, mm-hmm. will you tell the people a little bit about yourself before we dive on into all of the spicy takes? Absolutely. My name is Matt. I am an American. I'm originally from uh, the Seattle area, Uh, but now I live in Munich, Germany. I've been living here for about six years now and don't plan to go back anytime soon. Um, I'm unmarried. I am a Christian. I grew up in the church with a brief stint into Mormonism when my mom got married for the second time. Uh, But for the most, yeah, Yeah, that's a fun chapter. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I grew up in the church my entire life. And 
am a Christian and also a gay Christian. So I came out in 2019 at the very end of the year. So I'm coming up on my my third birthday pretty quick here, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I work for a tech company here in Munich and spend my time writing. I have my own blog where I kind of tell my story about growing up in church and what that was like growing up gay in church in particular. But boy, do I have a lot of feelings about singleness in the church. And boy, do I have a hot take on it as a gay single Christian. <laughs> so I think that's part of why I'm here. Listen, we love to, you know, <laughs> someone who will have an opinion and put their little flag in the sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just like kick things off with how you would have addressed this question of how married people can invite single people into their lives. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And then maybe we'll shift into the particular element of the question, which talked about the power dynamic between married people and single people. Because that's its own hill of beans, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, I should probably start by saying, first of all, that I like the heart behind this person's question. Like, I like mm-hmm. the fact that this is this is a married person who is actively thinking about how do I build community with the single people in my life. So, first of all, like whoever asked that question, like thumbs up to you. Yeah. Good job. Please continue to think about that. <laughs> yeah. That being said, this is where I have feelings. I think the phrasing that this person used was, "How do I invite single people into home life?" And when I read that question, or when I read that answer. Yeah, when I read the question, my first thought was like, dear married people, I love you, but I don't want to be part of your home life. I don't. Like, I'm sorry. I don't want to come over to your house after I've worked a full day and like have your kids running around screaming and mm. flinging boogers at each other and interrupting adult conversation. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm just not about that life. Okay. If I was about that life, I'd be married. And I think there's a lot of single people that feel that way where, you know, I'm sure a lot of us want to be married someday, but there's also a lot of us that are like, nope, this is my jam. I'm totally content where I am and totally content to be single. I think the thing that bothered me first about it, and there were a lot of things that bothered me about it, but the first thing was just that, that assumption of the construct of like inviting the single people into home life, because I remember so clearly what that was like during my time at Mars Hill church, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a great place to be single and gay and Christian more on that later in a different episode, probably. But I remember so clearly what that felt like to be quote unquote invited into home life by people mm-hmm. that, that really, to be fair, like really did genuinely love me and wanted the best for me and yeah. wanted to have community, but like they had no concept of like meeting me where I was. And it was, mm. it, it sets up. And I think this kind of is a good segue into what you were saying about power dynamics is like, it, it sets up this assumption or it, it betrays this assumption that the natural order of things, quote unquote, and the, the, the pyramid of evolution within the church is that you're single for a while and you do lots of service and you get involved in everything and you go to every singles ministry and meet market so that you can find someone to hit your wagon to. And then you get married and you buy a house and you make lots of babies and you invite the single people over once in a while for, you know, pizza mm-hmm. and, and a glass of wine. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I just think that that's wrong. <laughs> I don't think that that is the vision 
that Jesus has for his church. It includes both of those things. It includes married people. It includes single people. And it includes those people having community. But this this construct of like the marrieds are, are quote unquote ministering to the singles mm-hmm. is really problematic to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up something that came up a lot when other people were answering the question as well on Instagram. And it's this idea of reciprocity, right? Of mutuality of, you know, like relationships, true, Mm -hmm. equal, equitable relationships, right? There's that, that mutual give and take that mutual sacrifice, that mutual, whatever, Mm. that is so important. Sometimes I feel like there's the assumption, especially for people with kids, that, you know, single people should be the ones to always accommodate. Mm -hmm. Because people who are married and have kids, their lives are so much more quote unquote, complicated, which, you know, that's maybe true or not true. But right, it does get to a point where, at least for for me, and I think maybe for a lot of people, it can start to feel quite unbalanced. Mm -hmm. It can feel like, you know, the dynamic can get kind of interesting where I'm feeling like I have to be the one initiating all of the time. And so then I feel like I'm being needy or or like I'm not a priority to that person or whatever the case may be. And so I think that's where those expectations and those kind of shifts in power dynamic can be can be a little bit subtle or tricky where I'm automatically putting myself even in my head in the position of oh no, I like what I have going on isn't as important as mm-hmm. you know, child rearing or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be and so I should be the one to accommodate yeah because like me i'll like feel bad about the fact that they need to get a sitter if they want to come hang out you know you chose to have kids that's not my problem like (laughs) i mean yeah yeah and what you said is is exactly right where there's this like sort of unspoken assumption that like oh well you know the married people are very busy Mm -hmm. they're like you know their lives are so full you know and i i remember (laughs) Like having so many of my my married male friends back at Mars Hill talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, it's it'd be really easier if you could just come over to our house, you know, because there's so much going on, you know, like I've got a full day of work and then there's the wife and the kids and everything. Yeah. And I never, the funny thing is I never consciously questioned it at the time. It was like, oh, yeah, of course, would 4.30 or 4.45 work for you, sir? Sir. <laughs> right. Um, but like, after Mars Hill collapsed and then like in all of the subsequent years of like sifting through that rubble, the light kind of went on in my head where I finally realized like, you know what, married people, I love you, but I got stuff going on too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm busy too. I work a full job too. And guess what? There's no one at home helping me with my house. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have a partner. I cannot describe how underestimated like how how much married people take it for granted that they have a partner that they can Mm -hmm. divide and conquer with like Mm -hmm. with simple things like you've got to keep your house clean you gotta Mm -hmm. go grocery shopping you gotta cook you gotta you know like there's all these basic things to just adulting that when you when you get married you suddenly have a a partner that stands side by side with you 
that helps you do all of that. And when you're single and you're working 60 hours a week at your career or volunteering in church because the single people are expected to do everything in church because they have so much free time in mm-hmm. air quotes, like no one, you know, no one's helping you do that stuff. And and that mm-hmm. sounds like kind of a petty thing, but like if you're a married person and you're listening to this and you're like, you're complaining about something that's really not that big of a deal. I want you to think back to the last time that your spouse took a business trip without you and left you at home with the kids for a week. Mm-hmm. Think long and hard about that one. Like, and remember how that felt to suddenly be the only person that had to hold everything in life together, including mm-hmm. these tiny humans. And like single people don't usually have the tiny humans in the equation, but there's a whole lot more to life that they're still dealing with. Yeah. There is too, like the idea of partnership is a bit of a best case scenario thing, right? Because um, mm-hmm. there are all sorts of things as far as gender when it comes to marriage that the running of the household can be very disproportionately placed on the wife slash the woman. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a little bit of pushback maybe that I've gotten from married people when I've kind of talked about this, like division of labor. Yeah. Like trying to compare the household duties that I have with the household duties that um, a married person has and like really thinking about the reality of division of labor and how like there's a whole thing with men in particular that is like weaponized incompetence where they just like, yeah, are like, oh, I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so tired. How does bleach work? Oh, I can't take the cat to the vet. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole other like complication to the discussion too. When I talk about like, divide and conquer and the division of labor. I'm coming at it from a mindset of somebody that views it as very like, you know, egalitarian, like the the husband yeah. and wife being, you know, both partners are equal. I think your point is super important that there are huge swaths of the American church where there is a division of labor, but it's a very, very slanted one. And it's, that is like not only allowed to continue, but it's encouraged. And that becomes like a whole other ball of wax that mm-hmm. <laughs> that we need another episode for. <laughs> yeah. But like, I always wished that my married friends in church, I always felt like they were, to use this person's words from the question, like I always felt like a project for them. It was like, yeah. I was, you know, on the rare occasions that my male married friends would come out and, you know, maybe have a drink with the rest of the single guys. Like mm-hmm. there was this very, very clear sense of like, I'm here to endow all of you with my wisdom, right. And mm-hmm. to like, to help you get where I am so that one day you too can make the great sacrifice of, you know, spending a Wednesday night in a pub with your friends. And it's just like, I, I, I'm I'm continually I I still am but even then I was amazed at like how quickly marital amnesia set in like mm. because I, I I would watch friends who were single who were there with me out at that pub you know being projected on by our married friends mm. and then they would get married and mm. within 6 months right now they're in the special club and they've completely mm. forgotten what it was like to be the single person who was a yeah. project. Mm. Like someone needs to do a scientific study on why that is because it bothers me. <laughs> it's one of those things that can seem, I don't know, maybe seems a little subtle or maybe you don't even realize it's happening because of 
kind of the way society is, the way the church is, it is like a promotion. Mm-hmm. Right? It is like this subtle welcoming into a different quote unquote level, even though like you're n- that's not necessarily reflected in an official hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It can be subtle things where all of a sudden you're actually invited to hang out with the pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of a sudden you're actually nominated for particular leadership positions or you're being mentored or like, I mean, particularly when it comes to single women, you know, there's a definite shift that can happen. I think when you go from the perception of a single woman versus a married woman and how a married woman is maybe able to interact with male leadership versus a single woman. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of little shifts that happen that maybe don't feel like they're not like anyone comes in and bequeaths you with with these things necessarily. Like maybe in some churches that is the thing, but there is a shift that happens. 100%. I mean, it's like, (laughs) I had, I had so many close friends who, you know, I was single with at Mars Hill for years. And I remember very distinctly when each of them over the years got married, it's like you're sitting in the, you know, in the church, in the audience, watching your buddy get married. And you can almost hear like the moment that the ceremony is over and they've done the whole kiss the bride thing. You can almost hear in the background, like the achievement and lect, you know, and like, and, and all of a sudden he's now on a completely different playing field and the, and the relationship was never the same. And, mm. and the married people are always like, well, you know, being married is a lot of work and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and especially in the first year of marriage, marriage a lot of changes. Hard. Yeah. Marriage is so hard. I'm like, you know what? Life is hard. Okay. <laughs> like, right. You know, it's hard. You know, it's hard. Like building being a career, a person. being a person, <laughs> being alive Anytime after 2020 is That's really right. hard That's right. and even before then, but like it, it, it's, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, as an unmarried person, I would love to think I would do it differently. Yeah. <laughs> and I, this is the part where I start to like go, okay, but how would I, are you really any better, Matt? Yeah. And I don't know. Cause I've never been married, but. And I don't think I ever will be, to be honest. I, I think that that's mm-hmm. probably not likely, but the culture in the church of this promotion and the way that things are divided up and the access that married people get to resources and to leaders and to opportunities and stuff, it really bothers me. Mm. We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about a brand new podcast. The run-up to Christmas is hectic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to finish the year strong at work, keep up with friends, and pay attention to what God is trying to say. If you're tired of the same old retelling of the Nativity story, I've got something new to tell you about. The Advent Podcast. In five minutes or less per day, my friend Katie Kibbe is going to help us see the Nativity story through the lens of friendship. The Advent Podcast gives you the daily pause you need to prepare and share more of your heart this season. The Advent Podcast, more fun than a Sunday school play. You can find The Advent Podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. All right, now back to the episode. If a person who is single is listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to like ask for some more mutuality in my friendships with married people. Mm -hmm. What kind of communication tips would you give to them? Is this something that you've like, 
spoken up about in various friendships or? When I look back, I think the best way I can answer that is like, if I look back at my time at Mars Hill in particular, where this culture was like super entrenched, I think what I could have done differently was to say, you know, hey, I love coming over and spending time with you guys, but it would also really be great to spend time with you in my world. Mm-hmm. Because every time we hang out, I'm coming into your world. Mm. And I would love it if you would come into mine yeah. a little bit more. And then just stop. Like, that's all you need to say. I think that that's all I would have needed to say. And I think the reason I like consciously say stop there is because, especially even as I say that, I'm already like, I can feel the the loyal soldier inside, like coming up with excuses and coming up with like reasons to minimize the culpability of the merit. You know, it's, I, I know you, you shouldn't really have to think about this or I know that whatever, but mm. I think it's just clearly stating what you need, Yeah, which is I need you to come into my world a little bit more. Yeah. I do wish looking back that I had articulated more what I needed and wanted. Because, you know, it goes right back to like the same point as before, which is, yeah, you've got to find a sitter, but like, I've got to juggle everything else in my life too. Like I've got meetings that come in at work last minute that are evening meetings that I've got to figure out how to slide in that, you know, meeting with a friend that I had promised Mm -hmm. a week ago, or, you know, the water main breaks at my apartment and I've got to go figure that out. You know, you name it, like single people have lives and homes and, and adulting to do as well. And it's not like we just are sitting around with blank calendars, twiddling our thumbs yeah. <laughs> with, with tons of free time. Yeah. I think for me, I'm a chronically aggressively independent person. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> so like for me, the idea of asking people for things or even like stating my needs or preferences is very like, what yeah yeah I don't know I have this like pretty chronic fear that whatever it is is going to be too much but the person is going to like feel awkward and uncomfortable and obligated and it's going to be a whole thing and you know I think like my ultimate fear right is that I would ask too much and Mm -hmm. they would like think the relationship was not worth it Mm -hmm. that it would somehow like be the last straw (laughs) and like (laughs) And you're like, oh, wow, wow, she needs things too much. <laughs> She's single. They're not supposed to have needs. They need to take care of themselves. No. like, And the thing is, like, none of my friends have ever treated me like that's the case, right? None of my friends mm-hmm. have ever given me the impression even that they would react that way. They've always yeah. been gracious and and all of that. So a lot of it is me saying no for them in my head. Mm-hmm. And even when they like have to say no or whatever, it's very it's very gracious. But you know, I think that for me, I'll like build up the stakes so high in my head because I'm like it's hard for me to like conceive like to conceptualize and internalize this fact that like I am an enjoyable person to be around that people, yeah. like not everyone, but that some people will, it's worth them being inconvenienced mm-hmm. to spend time with me. And that's like my own ish that I'm like working through and all of that. But for me, like speaking up for myself and asking for things, you know, there's that extra mental barrier, right? That philosophical or existential barrier of fear. 
not to speak of like all of the practical barriers of arranging schedules and all of that jazz. Well, yeah. And we're also not like, we're not taught to do that in the church either. We're taught to do exactly the opposite. Like we're, we're taught that we're, we're supposed to put other people's needs before our own. Yeah. And so there's no, like this concept of, of voicing that you actually need something is like, I, I cannot think of a time ever in my entire church life that I have ever been encouraged to do that ever, mm. you know? So I think, it, I think it's hard for everybody. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard for the married people too. Yeah, for sure. The single person has like the, the challenge of, of sort of putting that stake in the ground and saying like, I need you to, for example, like meet me on my level a little bit or come into my world a little bit more often rather than just me coming to your house all the time. Yeah. The married person then also has like the, the challenge of, Ooh, I've got to be a little bit more like maybe a little bit more open to asking and receiving help with kids, like mm-hmm. my kids, you know, or like asking and receiving help for juggling my life. Right. Because just because I have a partner in the mix now doesn't mean that my life doesn't need juggling anymore and not just with kids, but like with all the stuff. And so I think there's this, it, it's a great opportunity for humility and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great opportunity for both sides to practice some vulnerability and and be mm-hmm. more open about what they actually need. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's occurring to me, like, as I sit here and like rattle off and, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, you know, just crapping on married people because I am. Um, but, like, <laughs> but, you know, they've got needs too. And I, I'd yeah. be interested to know, like, if the question was turned around, what would the yeah. married people say to me as their single friend? Like, what do they need yeah. more of from me? Yeah. Because I think it does go both ways for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's a tweet that I saw. Oh, gosh. I think her name is Kate Boyd. I took a screenshot. I could probably find it if I dug through my phone, but it's just all in one big <laughs> pile. All I like 4,000 <laughs> photos, so I don't have high hopes that I would actually find it. But it was something like how a lot of like church groups are structured. It's by particular demographics. So single, married, or parents, or mm-hmm. like by age or whatever, like season of life, if you but it's structured as if what we need is commiseration when what we really need is cooperation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think is how it went. But it kind of struck me as like, yeah, I think that I don't know how it is in Germany, but in the States, it can feel like households are very insular. Mm-hmm. And the expectation, mm-hmm. right, that individualism, right, the American individualism is applicable to the individual, but it's also, I think, applicable to the individual American household. And I read an article about like the the cost, like the rising cost of being single is I mm-hmm. think part of the title. But it's this idea that like, you know, our culture is so built around like the individual nuclear family, and they are really expected to be self-sufficient in a lot of ways in the same way that like a household that's just a single person is sort of expected to be self-sufficient. And there's all sorts of ways that our society is kind of set up to make it so. Yeah, I guess that's like a a larger cultural hurdle beyond Mm -hmm. all of the individual things that we've been talking about to overcome when it comes to cultivating a more 
communal cooperative way of living life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Like, and it goes all the way back to this, you know, 1950s image of the white picket fence. And like, you have your, you know, the phrase man's home is his castle. Like that term castle says a lot, you know? Um, And I, I can say at least in my, I haven't found a, a church home here yet in in Munich that I feel comfortable in. But what I can say is when I look at my community, you know, I live I live in an apartment mm-hmm. and we've got like a it's kind of a big, I don't know what we would call it in English, a, a complex, I guess, is the closest word. So there's like, you know, big green spaces and parks and playgrounds for all the kids. And there's probably mm-hmm. five or six different, you know, three story buildings that kind of make up the complex. And there's a family that lives right below me on the ground floor. The parents are my age, roughly, and they've got a toddler and a brand new baby that just came a few months ago, right? So they're young parents with two kids. They're on the verge of being outnumbered if they have a third kid. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. they're fully in the throes of like, it, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And as I've gotten to know them, it, it the funny thing is we see each other all the time because I'm always out like walking my dog and the complex and, you know, they're out with, you know, letting the, their, their daughter play. And so we, we chat all the time. And I remember very distinctly, like when the baby had just arrived, the newborn, you know, just offering like, Hey, if you need, like, you guys have a lot going on. Like if you need somebody to watch your toddler for a couple hours, like feel free to like, you know, send me a text and come upstairs and like, drop her off for a couple hours. She can play with my dog. They'll love it, you know? Yeah. And they've like attempted to take me up on it. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't home the day that they texted me to do it, but like they've actually attempted to take me up on it and, and they'll like come up randomly like, Hey, little things like, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Not literally a cup of sugar, but like, you know what I mean? Like right. coming up and asking like, Hey, do you have like, you know, like an extra box I could use to send something in the mail or like, what happens a lot is they'll bring their their daughter up and you know cuz she loves my dog and they'll like just come up and knock on the door and like ask if she can play with him for a little bit and they'll come in and like she'll play with the dog and it's a great time and like i have found myself so many times thinking during these interactions like wow i wish that this was how married families and singles looked in the church mm-hmm. because it's such a great like there's a there's a totally different basis of like community thinking here i think in in at least in germany yeah because a you know the country is a lot more densely populated so you're much more likely to be living closer to people rather than you know as compared to the us where you can go out and buy 18 acres 20 miles from the nearest house and so there's this it fosters kind of like a emerging of your daily lives. Mm. And that really doesn't happen. That never happened in the American church to me. That scenario of like them coming up and saying like, Hey, can our daughter play with your dog? Or like, Hey, can you watch our toddler for a couple of hours so we can take a breath with this newborn here? Yeah, That would never, ever, 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 ever. Like if you're, if you're a single person listening and you are attending a church where that has happened or would happen, I want to hear from you. Yeah. Cause like, I cannot imagine any of my married friends from any of the churches I ever attended growing up ever doing that. And so I think sometimes there's this like, maybe part of it is just that we as the church need to kind of 
A, let go of this idea of kind of American independence that we idolize so much and embrace, like you said, like not commiseration, but cooperation, but maybe also just this more basic idea about what community looks like, which is these are the people that I live around, you know, like, I, I don't know how many of my friends back home in the States actually know their neighbors. Like I know my neighbors here in my building, which has never happened to me before in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's something that's been lost in American culture at large with this independence thing that we've got going. And then also within the church that just kind of exacerbates it where we put up all these special mm-hmm. rules about like, like you said earlier, single women can't talk to the pastor and whatnot. What I love about what you shared was that it was so simple. Like it's so mm-hmm. simple. So just like popping upstairs, you know, yeah. the spontaneity, the simplicity of it, where I feel like, I definitely fall into this where I want to make everything a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that is like over spiritualizing thing. Like where am I called to spend my time? Yeah. You know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, and my church has actually been pretty good about encouraging this, like to, to think about the spaces where you already are mm-hmm. as opposed to like making it a whole big thing. No, think about where you already are and think about what you can say no to, to like be all in where where you already are. Yeah. And which is something I really appreciate. They are very supportive of boundaries and saying no to things, which is really great. But there's this idea of proximity, which Mm -hmm. you're describing where you're close enough, right? Like it's not a big deal. You don't have to hop in a car, but then also the, yeah, the simplicity where it's not like you have to throw together this three course meal for five people or, you know, you have to like go out and meet somewhere at a place where you're going to have to spend a lot of money. You know, it's just a pop by whenever kind of vibe. I mean, like I here in my building don't know my neighbors. There's people who I see like in passing semi-regularly, but I'm mm-hmm. never in the headspace to be like, Hey, cause you know, we're yeah. one of us is late going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think fostering that neighborliness, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a whole big thing. Yeah, I, I liked how you put it with we over-spiritualize stuff. I can't remember the joke, but it's some joke about like a guy that I think he's like drowning or something. And he's like in the ocean flailing around and like a ship comes by and they're like, do you need help? And he's like, no, the Lord will save me. Everything will be fine. You know, and like three or four ships mm-hmm. come by and offer to help. And he's like, no, 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 the Lord will save me. It's fine. And then he dies and gets to heaven. And God is like, I sent you three different ships. What is wrong with you? You know, like it's right there. And I think that there's so, there's so much truth to that in the sense that like, it's right there. It's right in front of you. Like if you're, if you're, if you're looking, if you're trying to figure out what you're quote unquote called to, like, just take a look around. Like you're, it's right there. I remember the pastor at my church preaching on is it acts two or acts four where they're talking about the early church they shared everything and it had everything in common and people mm-hmm. were selling land to meet the needs of the community blah 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 mm-hmm. but he kind of described it as this being in a close enough community that people like he like described it as people being like physically close enough to each other as they were praying to be able to hear each other's prayer requests and realize I can meet that prayer request. Yeah. As opposed to like waiting for the clouds to part and it to drop out of the sky. Like yeah. that, that realization of, oh, right. Like not obviously not everything is, you know, our, my responsibility personally, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, there are times when it's like, oh, like I have this time or I have this space or I have this, you know, family meal that my family and I share Mm -hmm. every evening. Like if a person is struggling with loneliness or they're like, it's really hard to cook for one and they have expressed that Mm -hmm. to me, maybe I'll just open it up for them to invite themselves over every once in a while. Yeah. Like it doesn't, we we've lost this, like this sort of, like you put it, the drop by culture. And I think also just, I think where my head starts to go is, and especially with the example from Axe is for it to function that way, where everyone's meeting the needs of everybody else and everybody has everything in common. Mm-hmm. The fundamental basic condition that you have to have is that no one is self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. No one is building their little castle with a picket fence. No one has everything they need. And I, I think that that's true of us in today's world, just as much as it was then. And that we, we don't all have what we need, but yeah. we've, we've lost sight of, we have so much of our material needs met that we don't know how to look at what our emotional and spiritual needs are anymore. And we don't know how to ask for help to get those met. And we don't know how to use community to meet those anymore. Yeah. I don't have a catchy way to wrap this up. So maybe we'll just. Well, I finished my vodka soda, which means it's time for the episode to end. (laughs) Dear married people, we love you. Please continue to be seeking ways to build community. If you're looking for ways to build community, the answer is it's right in front of you. Go meet your next door neighbors. If you're a married person, your assignment, your homework this week. I'm assigning you homework because I can't. Your homework this week, if you're if you're a married person, is to go meet your neighbors if you don't know them. Mm-hmm. If you do know your neighbors, your homework is to go and ask one of your single friends to go out for dinner and a drink mm-hmm. with no no agenda. Okay, that's yeah. figure it out. Find a babysitter. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. If you're a single person listening, your homework is to state your needs, honey. That is your homework. Right. Okay. This is where the vodka soda is really kicking in, um, but. You know, just that's your homework, single person. State your needs. Your homework is to go to one of your married friends and ask them to come and meet you out for a drink or to tell Mm -hmm. them very plainly and very clearly that you would like it if they came out to meet you on your turf more often. And then just stop and let them answer. Just stop. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I think my takeaway from this is that this is a question without a easy answer. And at the same time, there is a simple answer. Yeah. Something that my acting teacher used to say to me all the time in the two acting classes that I had it is simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. So simple. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just be a person, I think, but not <sighs> easy in the sense that like, uh, you know, people are messy and nuanced and, uh, you know, we're going to derp up and all of those those things right where there's no one size fits all right you're talking about like wanting to be more involved in you know kids lives and I'm like that feels amazing for you I'm not one who's gonna try to be babysitting all the time I will sometimes I don't don't mind yeah don't get me wrong I'm not opening a babysitting service anytime soon and I definitely (laughs) do not want baby humans living in my house full time. Okay. Let's just get yeah. that one straight. But yeah, right, I know what right. you mean. <laughs> but you know, like the takeaway there is not that I hate children. I don't hate children. Um, the takeaway is that there's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to get so much hate mail now from the married people. How can you say that? You're okay. Uh, your single friends are, are individuals, right? Where there's a bunch of commonalities in the single experience, but they're still human beings with mm-hmm. preferences and a past and a story and all sorts of stuff that go into what is received as loving by a particular person. Mm-hmm. So simple. Yeah. Like it's, it's basics of any kind of relationship building, but not easy because, you know, we're all still human and we all want different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no secret that many singles feel like outsiders in the church. That's why we've created a Patreon community. For a small monthly fee, you can get access to bonus content, plus a community where your voice and presence are valued. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Sign up at patreon.com unsuitable. Matt will be back in two weeks to interview Anna Primrose. Then there will be another Maribs and Matt chat towards the end of the season. You can follow Matt on Instagram at Matt Linden, and his blog is crossingblog.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at maryb.saferit. Or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybsaferit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum. Sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Saferit. And the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippy flop. <laughs>